Good evening, everybody. Brian Newbert here from goldenblack.com, live in Tallahassee, Florida, sitting outside my hotel, outside the fire pit at the Hyatt House. Why they have fire pits in Florida, I have no idea, but I'm overlooking the entrance to Florida A&M University here, who will be playing at Purdue in a couple weeks. Uh, Purdue just got done defeating Florida State 79-69 at the Tucker Center. This is your Golden Black Radio Express postgame podcast. It is brought to you by our friends at Purdue Federal Credit Union, the Sand Valley Golf Resort, AcrePro.com, TNW Design and Build, uh, the Whitaker Inn, and the East End Grill and Ripple and Company. So we will dive right into it here. Uh, Purdue is 7-0. Purdue is ranked number five in the country. This was has been quite a turn uh, here to open this season for Purdue tonight was kind of a a convergence of a bunch of different stuff going on. This was Purdue's first outing with a very small number next to its name. It was its first road game, and it came after a really difficult uh, scheduling draw that should never, ever happen to any basketball team, compounded by some travel difficulties where Purdue didn't get into Tallahassee until about 2.30 in the morning, basically on game day after not getting back from Portland on Monday until about five o'clock in the morning. So this has not been ideal uh, for Purdue here the last couple days. And it became very evident very quickly, if you didn't know already how this was gonna go, that Purdue just had to grind this one out, just get it done and get the hell out of here. And uh, I'm a little bit proud of myself. I'm not gonna lie, uh, because I picked this game to be 75 to 65 in Purdue's favor. It was 79 to 69, so I wasn't that far off, but I this unfolded exactly how I thought it would. I figured Purdue would have to labor like hell for 30 minutes uh, because Florida State, as bad as Florida State's been this season, was going to bring its best. It's a proud program. It plays hard typically. It plays with a lot of energy. Um, and the, the whole number five thing, you know, Purdue learned firsthand last year that you have to expect the best of every opponent you play when you've got a single-digit number next to your name because that's kind of life at the top. And th- this was Purdue's first outing uh, with that context around them. And um, sure enough, they got Florida State's best. Florida State was an inexplicable 1-7 coming into this game. I don't know what's going on there. They've lost some key guys. Um, there's no Scotty Barnes. There's no Patrick Williams. There's no Devin Vassell. There's none of these NBA guys. Matthew Cleveland's going to be a pro, but there, there's no there's no real obvious NBA guys on this team the way there have been a bunch of other uh, Florida State teams Purdue's seen in the past. Um, but one in seven still doesn't make any sense uh, to me. But Purdue had to come here expecting Florida State to not be its one in seven version, but to be its typical Leonard Hamilton version. And I think Purdue got something much closer to that than what Florida State's actual record says. I think, you know, Purdue kind of did it again. You know, this team has a really uncanny knack for winning, um, for making the right play at the right time, making the right run at the right time, uh, just doing what it needs to do to get things done in really high leverage games here. You you saw them overtake Marquette with a timely run. Uh, A few games back, you saw them basically have an answer for West Virginia when West Virginia made its run. That was a Braden Smith deal. Uh, You saw them basically prevent Gonzaga and Duke from ever making runs by making the right play at the right time when those teams were starting to stack positive things together. Uh, And then tonight, when Purdue needed to separate itself a little bit from a Florida State team that was probably playing over its head, 
that's exactly what uh, Purdue did. And the two real common denom- three real common denominators in all this. One has been Zach Eady. You know, he's just every time out. He's just he's so consistent and he's so good and he's so dominant and he just wears on people. And as I said in my uh, video or my written something or other before, it all runs together. You know, dominance finds a way. And when you're that dominant, even when you're not playing well, you're going to find a way to get 20 and, you know, 8 or 9 or 10 or whatever it was he ended up with tonight. And sure enough, that's exactly how it went down. He was 11 of 14 from the floor. Purdue couldn't get him the ball to start the game. I'm not sure he took a shot until six or seven minutes had passed. Uh, and he still ends up with 25 points on 11 of 14 shooting. Just a dominant player, a consistent player a guy who's emerging as a leader, a guy who's been great at both ends of the floor, and a guy who through seven games is not just playing like an All-American, but he's playing like a National Player of the Year candidate. Uh, it's been a best-case scenario for Zach Eady. He's, he's playing big minutes. He's playing really well at the start of those minutes. He's playing really well at the end of those minutes. He's consistent all the way through. He's productive every single time he plays. Again, he's been great at both ends of the floor. He's making the right decisions. He seems to be becoming a great leader for this team. Uh, he's got a level head that I think kind of wears off on this team. His 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 calmness, I think, is a very positive thing for this team. Uh, but I think he's also got an edge to him. I think you see him trying to trying to dunk on people and you know, kind of talking at people after he does it. and You start to see a real competitor coming out there. Not to say it didn't before, but I think, you know, this role he's wearing now is Purdue's alpha. He's wearing in a lot of different ways. So that's one of the common denominators between all of this winning Purdue has done. The other is obviously Braden Smith. You know, it, when you trust your point guard and when you trust the guy who's got the ball in his hands and when that player is just kind of a natural winner and kind of a natural gamer, this is kind of what you get. It doesn't matter that he's young. It doesn't matter that he's small. He is just a gamer, and he's showing that time and time again. This was the third time this season, Marquette being the first, West Virginia being the second, this being the third, that Braden Smith really kind of took command of this game when uh, someone needed to take command of this game for Purdue. And showing some real flexibility here as a coach, for those of you who like to call Matt Painter stubborn, he basically boiled down his gigantic playbook to a lot of just like ball screens and dribble handoffs between Edie and Braden Smith. And as the kids say, he just kind of let Braden Smith cook. And Smith really delivered a win again. And he's just, again, you know, in terms of best case scenario, starts the season, Zach Edie's been a best case scenario. Braden Smith has been, nobody could have even envisioned how high of an impact a player he's been uh, for Purdue. Purdue always says, oh, we saw this coming this summer. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, he's playing like a Big Ten freshman of the year type of guy. And then the third common denominator among a couple, and I shouldn't boil this down to three because Fletcher Lawyer's been really good, but the third guy is 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 Caleb First. He just keeps on, no matter how few minutes he's playing, he just finds ways to impact games. He just finds ways to turn games on their side, which is his effort, just his savvy, his movement without the ball today got Purdue a couple buckets. He just kind of kind of read and reacted, and Purdue was rewarded heavily. He's making threes now. He's playing hard. He's making energy plays. People just drove past me on a scooter wondering what the hell I'm doing. Um, I could say the same thing to you guys. Uh, anyway, he's just changing games with his effort. He's changing games with his savvy, and 
you know, I, I, I get a lot of tweets about him needing more minutes. And, yeah, he needs more minutes, but at whose expense? You know, Mason Gillis is still really good. He made a big three for Purdue tonight. He made a huge offensive rebound there on a, on a David Jenkins missed three at the end of a shot clock. That was a really demoralizing play for Florida State because they had Purdue stopped. Mason Gillis just stole it back, laid it back in, and that's what Mason Gillis gives you. Um, but Caleb First is playing really well, and he's, unfortunately for him, uh, from a minutes count perspective, he's the backup to one of the best players in the country that will always put a natural cap on your minutes. Purdue will work him in a lot more at the four. They have been, but you have three really good fours who all need good minutes and all need good opportunities and touches and and the like. It's a good problem to have, but as I always say, it's a problem nonetheless. Um, but kudos to Caleb first because what these guys always talk about is when you go in, no matter how few minutes you're playing or how many minutes you're playing, make the most of them. Empty your tank, make an impact on the game, make your presence felt. And Caleb first is the absolute epitome of that right now because he's going out there, he's giving everything he's got, and he is impacting games. And I can't believe how fast people are driving past me right into the Florida A&M roundabout. They must not know how to use roundabouts here in Florida. You can't take them that fast, guys. It doesn't matter what time it is. But that's what I got. Uh, just a good win for Purdue. Uh, again, if you expected this to be easy, you were being blissfully ignorant about the circumstances around this game, most likely, uh, or you were just completely overlooking what Florida State has always been and always will be as long as Leonard Hamilton's there. I... Um, this was my third time at Florida State covering a Purdue game here, uh, which now puts them at the top of my non-conference uh, road game, true road game visit list uh, in my time covering Purdue. The first time I was here was one of Matt Painter's first games. Uh, Purdue lost by about 40, uh, may as well have been 70. Uh, and I think since that time, Leonard Hamilton has actually gotten about 20 years younger. So that's kind of the thing I like about Florida State basketball is I get older and it stays the same age. So, all right. That's what I got here, guys. That took a weird turn. Um, so uh, from Purdue, 79-69 to 69 win at Florida State. This has been your Golden Black Radio Express postgame podcast. It has been brought to you by Purdue Federal Credit Union, the Sand Valley Golf Resort, T&W Design and Build, AcrePro.com, the Whitaker Inn, and the East End Grill and Ripple & Company. And I finally got that list down. It is now committed to memory. And it, it is, you just push a button on me like Teddy Ruxpin and that comes out. So we're good now. So I will talk to you guys again on Sunday after Purdue plays Minnesota in its Big Ten opener. Purdue is all set up here for a nice little 2-0 two, two start to the Big Ten. Uh, as if they need the help right now because they're playing really well. So thanks everybody for listening. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you.